911, what's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody who is listening in on the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton. And admittedly, this is the very first time that I'm doing this because I did not ask you this question before I just hit that live button. So, sir, I'm going to have you introduce yourself by also pronouncing your name for me. <laughs> no problem. Good morning. My name is Gian Piero Scatalon. Uh, th- that's an Italian name. I was born in Peru. And then when I was 14, my family immigrated to the U.S. to California, and that's a little bit about me. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, not a lot of people know this, but my mother's maiden name was Capone. Oh. No relation to Al they say, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I had you pronounce it. You said it a lot better than I would have, so thank you. <laughs> we were just chatting a little bit, and you were talking to me about what happened before you landed in New Hampshire. So. Can you just walk the audience through a little bit about what happened for you when the market crashed? Yeah, it was uh, 2008, 2009. I, I realized uh, because I don't have a, a college degree, I couldn't find a job where I could provide benefits for my family, uh, health care and whatnot. And I, I was an older, uh, I was 32 at the time, and uh, the military was hiring. And I saw that as an opportunity to be able to provide benefits and to get a, a predictable income. And uh, I was wondering, could would they take me and will I make it? And I went up there to the recruiting station. Uh, I took a test and they said, sure, you qualify, you can come in. And, uh, and then at 32, my biggest concern was like, will I make it through basic training? Because all these young men here, they're 19, 20, and to me, it was a huge win to know that, oh, my gosh, I'm making it. I'm surviving. I am capable and I'm adapting. And it, it was a beautiful experience. That's really cool. What was the age cutoff? Do you know? At the time, I mean, it all, it's always fluctuating a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think the oldest person that I knew in there was 40, oh, uh, wow. 40 years of age. I don't know what it is right now, but at the time, 40 was the oldest uh, person in my class. Wow, cool. So walk us through a little bit then. You get out of you get out of the military, you you kind of reacclimate into civilian life and, and what happens? Uh, so after uh, having been deployed to Afghanistan and I was in Afghanistan for 10 months, then I came back, I finished my contract, I, I signed up for a three year contract. Then I came back and uh, I, I went to school and uh, I was working and I was going to school and my life was it couldn't be better, you know. Uh, I had a predict- predictable income. I was getting educated, and then all of a sudden, this overwhelming anxiety be- it started to come over me. And uh, and uh, after many months of this, uh, I went to the VA, and I, I spoke to a psychologist, and uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD. And uh, that was the beginning of my journey of self discovery and being able to. Uh, come to terms with uh, who I was, who I am, who I want to be mm-hmm. because of PTSD. Sometimes all these feelings and emotions get in the way of life, even when life is going really, really well, really beautiful. 
Yeah. So what was that point for you where you knew that you, you couldn't do it alone and you needed to go out and seek help? Uh, so I, I, I was happily married and I was going to school. My life was great. My kids were healthy. And because I started drinking a lot. I started drinking a lot, but I was doing it in such a way that people were not noticing that I was drinking mm. a lot. And I had it very well scheduled to where uh, my wife was working and I was going to school. So I would come and I would drink during the day to the point where I would get uh, drunk. And then I would be, I would tell myself, okay, enough. Now I need to begin to sober up so I can uh, get ready, shave, uh, take a shower, change and look good, smell good and uh, welcome my wife home. Mm -hmm. And uh, after four months of that, I, because I realized, I mean, at 32, I, I lived enough life. I lived enough life and I've read enough books to know that this was not sustainable, that this was not a long-term <laughs> solution. And uh, after four months, I realized, you know what? I don't want, I'm lying to my wife, first of all, because I'm, I'm keeping the secret from her. So I, uh, I just went to the VA one day and I said, I need help. I need to talk to someone. And I was very fortunate that they gave me a very competent uh, psychologist. Uh, and uh, he really did help me through the process. And one of the things that I realized now in hindsight that the psychologist never gave me any tips, never gave me any advice. He just created the space for me to communicate, for me to speak, for me to articulate all my feelings, all my emotions. And then uh, that start that allowed me to start the process to integrate myself because I was uh, even my philosophy of life was all over the place. I remember at the beginning of my deployment, I was like, you know, I am here to provide for my family, to take care of my children. And I remember writing home and asking, send me, send me candy. I want to give all these kids candy. Hmm. And that's how, I, that's how I felt. And then after uh, one firefight, after another firefight, and after another firefight, and and I saw how dangerous it was that you couldn't even trust the children because sometimes the children were being used by their parents to get to us. Uh, it, it was very difficult to have the kids approach us and try to touch our weapon or try, try to pull us. And then it came to a point where I wanted to have nothing to do with children. It's like, stay away from me. Uh, that was, that was uh, how I changed. Uh, and also to see that there was one, if, if I guess one of the most traumatic experiences that I have was to see that these uh, children who they probably were not older than 12 years of age and uh, they either activated or they were planting an IED, uh, you know, an improvised explosive device meant for us, but the device went off on them. Mm -hmm. And it just basically hurt them really bad. It burned their hand, destroyed their hands, scorched them. And the parents, they brought them to us because we had the medical uh, capability and we mm -hmm. had the helicopters and whatnot. Uh, we could call medivac. And, uh, but to see those children there being so hurt uh, basically unraveled me and uh, 
I started to question myself, what am I doing here? I came here to do some good. I came here to protect. I came here to, to make a difference and to provide for my children. And now I see all these things happening in front of me. And I needed to, with the help of the psychologist and speaking and articulating my feelings, I was able to put myself back together again. Yeah, yeah, that that's really that's really crazy. I'm I'm so grateful for people like you because having to go to Afghanistan and then face that and come home and reintegrate in a civilian life is is incredibly difficult to do. So I certainly applaud you for seeking out that additional help and support. And um, good morning, you guys. And yes, Clint, that does bring a complete challenge in itself with regards to wanting to be human and reach out to these children and then them really being the enemy. Yes. So can you take us through a little bit? Because on your pre-interview questionnaire, you tell us that you are a motivational listener. And in <laughs> in all truthness, I have heard of motivational speakers, but never have I heard of a motivational listener. So can you explain to us what that is? So. Yes, of course. Uh, one of the things that I've realized is that each individual is the expert of themselves. There is nothing I can do. There's no advice that I can give you that will help you as much as, much as you as an individual figuring out what is it that I'm feeling, what is it that I'm going through, what is it that I want. And the best way for the best use that I can be for someone, for anyone, is to listen. I know that uh, my personal uh, go-to used to be, I want to give you advice. I want to I wanna give you a tip. I want to help you out. But I realized that when people are speaking and you interrupt them, even if you mean well, oh, I'm going to give you some advice. This is what you need to do. You derail the train process that that person is articulating and going through. And sometimes you're going to say the wrong thing because I realize that oftentimes what sounds very clever and it makes sense in our head, the moment it comes out of our mouth, it just doesn't sound articulate or it doesn't make sense anymore. I think many of us have that experience where we say something, it's like, oh, that's not what I meant to say or that's, that's, that, that, that didn't sound right. So allowing people to speak to the point to take a thought to its logical conclusion, it's more beneficial and helpful for the individual so they can realize, oh, I don't really believe that. Or no, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I want for myself and for my family and for other people. So the best thing I can do for someone is to listen, to create that space for them to speak and figure themselves out. And I think that's what the psychologist did for me. Like I said, I realized in hindsight, he never gave me any advice or tips. It was just me against me, me speaking and me hearing myself, me saying things. Some of them make sense. Some of them didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And then have that introspection, that, that moment where you realize, oh, no, what I'm saying is really hurting me more than it's helping me because I keep repeating this words, these, these phrases, these uh, slogans, and maybe they were useful at some point in my life, but they're no longer useful to my life. In fact, they're hurting me. Yeah. And, and uh, I think uh, 
I hope that answered your question, but you can keep asking me questions so I can. Oh, I'm going to keep asking you selfish questions. You better believe that. Uh, okay. We all need someone who will listen, even when we don't know what to say yes or how to say it for sure. And I think right now in the world that we're living in, you and I should go make a banner and put it in every ma every major city that says shut up and listen, because yes. there's so, so much like so much barking going on everywhere right now. So how does one teach somebody else how to actually practice active listening? Uh, I think. Uh, one of the best things that we can do is, uh, like I said, create a space for other people and remind them uh, it's okay to ask for things. It's okay for us to make a statement. What I need from you right now is your undivided attention. Uh, because like I said, advice will derail us or will take away our personal responsibility from trying to put ourselves back together. Because then if it doesn't work, we can always say, well, the doctor told me this, the psychology told me this, my wife told me this, and you can always put it on somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, advice is autobiographical, meaning it only applies to you and it only in, in, it, and perhaps only worked for you given the circumstances, the knowledge and the everything else that created the perfect situation for you to be able to overcome your situation. But just your advice alone may not help somebody else. But if you tell someone, you know what, can, uh, the definition of empathy, I cannot understand everything that you're going through right now. But one thing that I can be committed to is to be here present. And if I not, if I'm not, please bring me back. Because what you need is someone to honor your story, to honor you and to to be fully here for you, even if there's nothing they can do about, there's nothing they can do to help you. Feeling that you are being heard and feeling that you are being seen because the moment you share yourself in a vulnerable, open way, you're allowing people to see you with all your perfection and imperfection. And that's scary and I would say we need to learn as individuals to ask for that space. Would you be there for me? I'm going to say things. Some of those things are not going to make sense. Some of those things I probably don't even believe. I believe in those things, but they need to come out so I can articulate and see what is it that is going on inside of me. And I think that's ask for what you, what you need. I think that's a, that's a huge one. And also be there for other people and know that, Probably, like you said earlier, we need to listen more. We, we just need to listen. I think that's the key and allow people to discover and rediscover themselves. Sometimes we forget who we are. We forget our dreams and we forget who, who is it that we've always wanted to be. I have this saying that uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, it's you. It's always been you because there is an ideal of some, at least for me, that I have this per this ideal of somebody that I want to be like. And the more I become like that ideal that I have in my mind, the more I'm able to pull myself through the tunnel because we're all going to go through many tunnels in our lives. In fact, I heard one time that life is like this. 
problem, 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 crisis, problem, 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 crisis, problem. <laughs> and, and we need to remember we as individuals, we can and should be the heroes of our own story. No one can rescue us. If we're waiting for somebody to rescue us, if we're waiting for somebody to give us that advice, uh, we may just sit there forever and, uh, and suffer because mm -hmm. the suffering happens inside. Yeah, for sure. Clint says this aligns so much with coaching. I love it. Good morning to whoever the Facebook user is. Go ahead and tell StreamYard to grant you permission so I can see who that was. Hashtag shut up and listen. We should start to, to push that hashtag for sure. And I'm not going to ask you for any advice based on your experience. But what I will ask you as we wrap this up is after going through this, jour this journey on your own and starting from going to Afghanistan and, and being in one of the most vulnerable situations with children who literally want to kill you and, you know, reintegrating into life, finding your own vulnerability and challenges and seeking out the help of a therapist who could help you. Um, what is the biggest thing that you have learned in retrospect? The, the biggest thing is that genuine conversation it's key to be able to speak and sometimes uh, i believe that a lot of the conversation that we have is very uh, superficial that in order for a conversation to get real you have to put some skin in the game meaning like for example what i'm doing right now putting myself out there and sharing my story and be able to to say you know what uh Yes, this is uh, where I was at some point in my life. I, I was drinking and then I was going through all this turmoil in my head. Who am I? Who have I become? Did I, am I creating a problem being a, a, a soldier? Uh, am I even taking care of my kids? Did I become a, a monster? Did I become part of this problem? And then you bring that home. You, you always come home and even if you didn't get physically hurt, you bring all those memories with you and then you bring that hyper vigilance that no matter sometimes things happen and then all of a sudden you feel as if you are in that dangerous situation even though life could be could be going a hundred percent good he you're healthy your kids are healthy you have a roof over your head you have a, a predictable income but one of the things that I learned, okay, now that I'm saying these things is I've learned to ask my wife uh, to tell her right now, like for example, sometimes we are at uh, Home Depot or Lowe's and I get overwhelmed by the amount of people that are there. And then my body gets into this hyperactive uh, or hypervigilant mode where like, where is the danger coming from? And sometimes it's overwhelming and I tell my wife, can you just hold my hand and lead right now? Yeah. And then now she knows and then she just holds my hand and then we can manage because now I, I know, okay, I'm going to let her lead right now because I'm not capable of doing that. Because when those emotions come at you, even though you try to reason with yourself and say, I'm okay, I'm okay, life is good, uh, I'm hypervigilant or I'm being emotional right now that icky feeling stays with you for hours. 
at least I haven't learned to make it go away. Uh, but I asked for help. I asked for my wife, hold my hand, or can you just be there for me? Or I just want to be quiet. It's okay to ask people for that space where they can, uh, they can honor your feeling and emotion. They don't need to give you anything except just create the space for you to, to process what you're going through. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing, uh, asking for that, for that space. Yeah, that, that's a beautiful thing. Be vulnerable. Absolutely. And there's a lot of times where it's so, it's so, I talk about this with Clint all the time. It's so easy for us to get naked in front of somebody else, but it's very difficult sometimes for us to open up with that, that pure vulnerability. And I think it's such a beautiful thing that, that you have that and that you do ask, ask for things when you need them in that way. And it, it's great. I will say advice because I think that it's something that we can all use as a reminder at the very least, especially right now. So thank you so much for coming on and for sharing the morning with us and sharing your wisdom and advice. And I, I love, I love the, the term motivational listener. I think it's something that we all need more and to do more and to be more of. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. So may I say one more thing before Absolutely. I go? One of the things, and I guess I came up with this saying because, uh, there is a lot of motivational speakers out there and motivation can help you to get you started. But uh, when we get inspired, you know, like I learned that the definition for the word inspire is to breathe life into another, to breathe life into something. So if I can inspire you to speak and then that will be the beginning of you absorbing that light and becoming light and becoming you the hero of your story if i can allow you to do that then you will realize that i can do this i can do this i can do whatever i i said my whatever goals i have i can just every day just put one foot in front of the other and we all need to breathe life into other people that's all we can do just breathe life into other people and and yeah listen that's it yeah, that's a, a beautiful way to put it. So thank you. And everybody here says thank you, too. <laughs> so, All right. Thank awesome. You. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye bye.